To the Crash Chords Podcast, new podcast, new year. Our first podcast of 2014. You're not sick this year. You were no. dying last year. I, I'm sorry, not sick, dying. Correction, you were dying, dying last year. You were dying. Well, Evidently, you're well, not. Well, apparently, dead. I got better. Uh, I got a bit better. That was the weakest Python delivery. Well, I can't. That's a good accent. way. To, actually, that's a good way to start off the year. Bad impersonation of Python. Why not? We've done worse. <laughs> For those probably young, have done worse. For those younger viewers, it's Monty Python. A TV and the show that was, circus. Yeah. It really should have been Monty Python. It should have well, that should be like the meta, like oh, American watched, response to British accent. I recently watched some another sketch show from Britain that I didn't realize was a thing until recently. Um, Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry had a huge sketch oh, show. Of course they did. in Britain, and so they've been airing it on BBC America. And some of it, it, their bookstore sketch that they did, I think it was them, or that might have been Python. I'm confused. You just now. discovered this, the, wow. the, the Hugh and Laurie. Yeah, the, I hadn't seen a it bit before. of Hugh and Laurie. Is that yeah. the name of the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was cool. Well, they, they they team up in a, uh, a bunch of things. Actually, yeah. the, the first place I discovered them was through uh, Jeeves and Wooster. Jeeves yeah. and Wooster. That, that might have been what I was watching. Great show about wealthy guy who has everything handed to him and tries to get out of jams and the butler comes along to help him get out of said jams. Jams, yeah. There you are. Kind of like Batman. Um, kind of, but not. Kind of, but not. At the, Like, kind of, but at the same time, really not. You follow? I follow Batman. Totally follow. Um, Just for record, there's no crickets right now, but the wind is blowing. You've got kind of a tumbleweed very, thing very going loud, on after yeah. that. <laughs> it's going to be chilly tonight in New York City. Um, it's 50 below in Chicago. Poor Chicago. That, well, with windshield. Oh. That's oh, colder yeah. than Mars, which only it's, it's reaches 16 below regularly. Well, 16 below regularly, 50 50 below with uh, with wind chill. Well, yeah, well, wind chill is what makes it so cold here. is is mostly that. Yeah. When it's not windy, it's not so bad. We got all them skyscrapers, wind tunnels, and whatnot. Oh, Manhattan's the worst. Yeah. Tomorrow's gonna be not good. That's anyway, right. nobody ever just like puts a thermometer like right in the middle of an avenue. <laughs> and now Central Park is not accurate. And now to David with sports. What are you doing? What? We're doing the news. No, no. So we're cutting to no, sports. we're doing the now. weather. Oh, I and see. I, doing weather. Weather. I see what he was trying to do there. Yes. It wasn't as clever as he wanted it to be, though. <laughs> um, Third base? <laughs> Banter in three different directions simultaneously. That's kind of something we've mastered. Um, yeah. So, yeah, New Year, new podcast. Um, I very re- By the time this episode goes up, um, a few days ago, I put up an article, first article in a while covering Steam Power Giraffe's cover of Diamonds by Rihanna. So definitely check that out as well. We're going to try and start doing some more article writing this year. Um, and going to try and perpetuate a guest a month. Our next guest we'll get into for this month at the end of the show. Um, but let's, I guess, mosey our way into our album of this week. I don't want to mosey. I want to, I want to stride. This week, Paul McCartney's new album, New. This is my pick. Um, first pick of the year. I um, I was teetering between a few choices, but I ended up going with this ideally because um, it's Paul McCartney. And A, I know the three of us are Paul McCartney fans, but also it's freaking Paul McCartney. And being that it's Paul McCartney, there's not much to really say about him that, I ha- that hasn't been said already. So I'll just read something else. 
Guinness World Records described Paul McCartney as the most successful <laughs> composer and recording artist of all time, with 60 gold discs and sales of over 100 million albums and 100 million singles, and the most successful uh, songwriter in the United Kingdom chart history. I, you invoked Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think we, uh, we can definitely preface this by saying um, that Sir Paul McCartney doesn't really have anything to prove, certainly not to us. But nevertheless, I am pleased with your choice, Matt. I think it was an excellent way to start out the year because he is, without a doubt, probably one of the most influential figures in rock music. I would say he's influenced everyone from modern alt and indie bands to metal, punk, folk, and even teeny bopper pop. Because regardless of how the sound has evolved, everyone pursues that effortless verse-chorus structure that Paul has always upchucked on command without, in my opinion, rule of thumb, in my opinion, sounding all that cliche. His songs haven't really been paradigm-shifting material, although some have, but they usually put a smile on your face or bring a tear to your eye, which something tells me is a goal that's always satisfied him as an artist, personally. Yeah. Um, this album, uh, to no surprise, has some Beatles influence. There are some sounds in here that are very reminiscent of the songs he wrote for the Beatles. That's mm, Beatles influence is is a we we keep harkening back to Beatles influence, and that's something that you see in a lot of bands. I don't think we can really call it uh, influence from the Beatles. It's more like he Beatles esque. He's just keep. He's just he's still doing he's it. Doing what he'd been doing. That's fair. Well, he was always the opposition to John Lennon in that regard. I mean, John Lennon was, like, coming up with these crazy... Edgy, I think it, people usually think of him as the paradigm shift guy. At the same time, Paul sometimes got the rap for writing tunes, you know? Tunes. Right, but Did I also ditties. feel like... And they were great ditties. Right. That was really a good 75% of what made the Beatles famous. Yeah, well, I mean, with the Beatles... Well, I mean, let's not count out George Harrison. A lot of his songs were also kind of in the middle between the two of them. I mean, he had some... Very unique songs that he wrote. I would say and that very he provided some too. of the uh, best instrumental value also in the background of most of them. Yeah. There, there was Ringo. He played the drums. Hey, hey, I'm not going down that route. We're not going to take... Just, just swear. Pinky swear. We're not going to go down that route today. Because Ringo, I still think that he was the best drummer for the Beatles. <laughs> that, yeah, okay. Which was said, of course, by... Um, uh, is that John Lennon that said that? Yeah, like, I think so. one of No, them. he said the opposite, in fact. He said, Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> that was what he said, but, um, anyway. but I still think he was perfect for the, for the medium. Um, with that, let's get into the album. So the first track is called Save Us. Um, as far as intro tracks go, it, I liked it. It was catchy. It was, it was not exactly what I expected right off the bat from from. Sir Paul McCartney, but uh, but it was definitely a solid intro track. It got your head bopping. It kind of pulled you in a bit. It was a solid, yes, introduction. But for that, it felt very typical in its nature. Uh, it's almost like I heard it before. Uh, it, it seemed to rely kind of heavily on the mixing as opposed to the composition of the instruments. And that was what really... Uh, it didn't quite sell it for on me as a, as a standalone kind of a track. That really was the introduction to the album. Well, I always hate those 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 intros, um, like our intros, where we always start off with you know it, it, it was a catchy, fun song, it has beat, and you can dance to it. I mean, that's kind of that's always cliche for us, yeah. I think. You know, regardless of the artist, but. Yeah, I can't steer too far away from it. But I, I'm going to defend this song a little bit more. I think that it was kind of a in that in that sense, 
it was a stronger intro than perhaps many other of uh, McCartney's albums. Okay. Well, you we're still getting this uh, the tried and true composition of what he does. Uh, uh, something that uh, was was used fairly heavily in his entire career is the piano work. He likes the piano. He likes to use pianos and keyboards quite often. He uses it as a rhythm section. Which, and, I mean, it is a rhythm instrument, I guess. Well, I'm not going to say first and foremost, but it, it, it makes for a very good rhythm instrument. But you find that one uh, that one chord and just, you know, dun 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 and I he was using it flash, to... but <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, in this case, and this is one thing I'm going to say was a little bit detractor. I didn't like it in this song. I did not like that piano tapping. And I bought it. I don't yeah, know. Maybe it was just because that of was, the. I think that was that that final step back where I felt like he was trying. It felt a little '80s, and maybe that's, exactly. that's why Flash comes to mind. But um... I don't know. I, I agree more, with Steve. I didn't. It didn't bother me that much. I liked it. I thought that. I I agree that I can't speak to his other intro tracks. Unfortunately, I have not heard every album that he's put out i mean um but well you just said it yourself there's a lot to go through. there, there is there's a so. hundred platinum if you heard them all wow but <laughs> but i can say that i felt that it did very much set the the tone of a paul mccartney record that i expected to get not necessarily the one we did get but yeah well i do want to backtrack for a minute because you said a hundred platinum I, I think it's one thing i left out in my intro as well that he is definitely the most prolific prolific and consist- consistently good because I, I made a point to say that he, most of his songs a lot of them I think he tends to go from genre to genre without really appearing all that cliche and yet he writes so much that's kind of in itself sort of a, a, a feat because normally when you write a lot it's inevitable that you're going to fall into cliche patterns you know We've probably about that before, for the majority yeah. of your work now in, in, in McCartney's case he only falls into it for a percentage of his work which is like forgivable <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to harp on it necessarily. Prolific is is the best term to describe him. And if you're going to be uh, using jargon from today's day and age, Uber and Leet truly, oh, truly describe. No, I'm not going down. There. But but I'm not think of what. Not with a ten foot ball. But think of it. He does music, and this this seems like for me, and this is why I'm bringing this up. This song feels like just an off the cuff. I'm going to make an intro song. Ah. I feel like it doesn't have bearing on the rest of the album. Or to set any sort of theme work. It just feels like a great intro that can be used in so many different ways, in so many different albums. Like I said, it did not have that unique feeling to this piece. I wasn't exactly blown away, I admit, by, by especially like, you know, the intro, the verse, and whatnot. But in the chorus, I, I do believe there are some particulars to point out with this song. And that, that's that, that build up to, to uh, save us, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it almost is gospel like. And that, that, that save us, where the whole chorus comes in to sing along with it. Or it could just be him, you know, multiple times. We've never really known that department. But it's, it's a diminished chord. Now, I, I think it's because the diminished chord seems to sound a little bit haunting that when you fall, when, when the climax of your piece, falls on the most haunting chord there's something to be said for the you know save us now it's almost it's almost in vain like nothing can really save you now and right. that was the particular bit of uh of let's just say quality that i took away from this first track beyond the point of a simple catchy intro okay so something serious <laughs> rather than just you know pass it off completely no yeah i agree because it was enjoyable but i think it was a little bit more than that in my opinion for that okay. reason that makes sense. Um, moving on to the second track of the album, this is where we get a taste, a little taste of St- Paul being kind of 
Paul. More original. Well, uh, Paul, but more original too. I mean, the intro to this song was very unique and stood out very well. Unfortunately, within the first minute, he doesn't do much with it. It kind of jumps into a very cliche track after that. Um, I'm, I'm going to refute that. He does return... Well, okay, not cliche. Predictable. He, it, it jumps back to that interesting intro and melody throughout the song, but I was expecting a different song based on the intro. And I, I will say that what really saves this song for me is it feels like Jet. It, it feels like Band on the Run. It's got that, that, that first jump into Paul's solo career. It, it really does have that... Not truly innovative, just really interesting guitar work uh, throughout the entire song. I'm, that, I'm that lead go guitar so that I really enjoy. That the intro to this track was innovative. The use of synth was was very alluring. Although I do agree with Matt, I don't. I'm not sure he went as far as he could have with oh, it. That, that I it will did, agree. It did pepper its way throughout, and it did kind of hold it together. Which he does uh, several other points in this album is he uses these these intros or interludes to sort of tie it all together whether or not they really have a lot to do with the verse of the chorus i mean i, I just noticed it's something that that occurs here and it occurs a few other places and maybe it's common into uh paul mccartney's recent work going back to my point which i do agree with i do agree that the intros tend to be the a little scattered i guess would be the word a little bit more of a of a scatter shot well, i'm saying kind of specifically the intro itself in, like in it, in its entirety, yeah. is very very good. It's excellent, but it's just it's scattered throughout the piece. It's scattered throughout the song. Yeah, and that's what I don't really like. Like whether or not it has anything to do with the with the source. Well, material. no, I, I think I think it actually worked very well in this case. I did like the way that uh, it it had a even with the synth work mixed in, it had very much the classic rock's uh, uh, signature in the instruments. Uh, the the backup guitar the backup bass the drum work and that flowing back and forth guitar work very punctuated did a great job there was that really really uh good breakdown that that did a very eerie reinvent towards the end of it which is oh i agree a little that. bit typical but the of classic rock that was the but bridge, it did a I great think. job yeah that was the bridge was the into bridge. the it, breakdown I did into agree. the reinvent i did agree it was a little bit abrupt um but somewhat eerie, but I liked I liked it in that sense because he he gets very soft, he gets very whispery. Yeah, my problem with that though is that he does something almost exactly the same or very similar, of having a, a breakdown similar to the intro but different from the rest of the song. Multiple points on this record, There's which is a, why they, I said it was typical. Yeah, which is why it's but it's something I do enjoy when it's done well when it when it when it when it when it really does mesh with the rest of the song and i, I will felt like i will it did say work, did work very well here i will agree even though those sounds didn't go where i wanted them to he did mix them well for the composition of this song well there are he, moments later where he doesn't do it as you have well to look at the theme i mean this is it's interesting it's called alligator which is sort of a strange symbol for it but this is sort of uh sort of a sound of settling kind of kind of thing in terms of, like just some of the line work here uh i want someone to come home to i need someone i can I need somewhere I can sleep. I need a place where I can rest my weary bones and have a conversation not too deep. It, it's settling. This is sort of and almost it, speaking his age here. That this you're not really interested in going out and having a party. This is very much settling. It, it's a sweet song in that regard. But it also does have a little bit of that unsettling, eerie nature in the lyrics with lines like, I need somebody used to dealing with a sinner whenever I get in a fix. And mm. phrase work like that, which still shows that 
He's still got some fire in him. Oh, for sure. It, he hasn't settled, but he's still got some fire. Well, maybe that, that you just spoke right there to the the symbol of alligator, because it'd be a kind of an odd thing for a uh, for a domestic situation, you know. Passive yeah. yet prone to burst of energy. <laughs> I guess yet may kill you. <laughs> I mean, for Paul to try to associate himself with the alligator, I I could see it. <laughs> I need somebody who's a sweet communicator I can give my alligator to which almost reeks of a little bit of that's uh, almost innuendo very, yes. yeah but um which it could be I could go in that direction particularly I still think it's just a, a, a symbol for it's a sweet communicator it's communication it's yeah about, you know but I think it hints at that not by accident I yeah, don't. I don't perhaps. think it's coincidence. He, he's been writing words. Well, ideally, it's if not, you're in a, a, it's not an accident. I, ideally, if you're in a domestic situation, you'll be getting a lot of that. Yeah. So, alligators. Well, <laughs> domestic domesticity wouldn't be so bad if you had a lot of alligators. Alligators. Yes. Okay. New 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 innuendo word. <laughs> not using that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Going on to give it to it's something else. The next track on my way to work. Track three. This was pure classic. Rock. So the funny thing about this song is, and the only kind of aha moment, pretty much for the whole song is, I was listening to the album on my way to work this morning, and when the song came on, I went, "Oh hey, I'm on my way to work," and then that was kind of it. Like, I yeah, mean, it's sort of a shame in that regard. This song, it's, it's a mundane story with mundane music, and it's very safe, very, very safe and predictable. Well, I'm gonna say it's safe all across the board, time-wise, timeline-wise, because. I found this to be sort of a timeless pop song in some sense. Like, I kept thinking it could be written today. No, it's definitely the 60s. No, that's modern. No, that's old school folk. Which, altogether, I guess, speaks to McCartney himself, who is kind of timeless in everything he does. He's but it doesn't always... It's that, that paragon, paradigm shift I talked about. He's not always, you know, bursting forth with the next big thing. So well, there's safeness written into it himself. The main the main reasoning for that in this case is, is the entire song undergoes the classic... Uh, musical introduction build of classic rock the the start simple go a little more complicated it hits that very even steady tempo stays there i just had a problem with it i felt like it it did two things which are just in opposition of one another it did not go really complicated enough for me instrumentally it didn't really progress instrumentally after the first minute minute and a half yet at the same time it wasn't pared down enough to really be moving in in a, in a more just like piano outro that we talked about in, in several cases the the single piano the single guitar going full acoustic it did not have that kind of soulful meaning to it i agree which is why i'm, I'm gonna be a little bit negative on this song too i think my reasoning was that it felt kind of rambly uh even just starting with the title "On My Way to Work," it's not really a very alluring subject matter. <laughs> and I, I, Unless I understand. You're on your way to work. Yeah, well, you, you lucky you. Oh, well. Either way, I understand that's kind of the point for perhaps for that because it is an exploration of the mundane, and I guess the music kind of delivers that. But it lacks a certain introspective quality that you'd think would accompany that kind of thing. I mean, when you're on your work, you think, well. That should be the perfect place to think about life in general, but it's all just very well, much that. I mean, but and look that's at, it. Well, yeah. I mean, look at the lyrics. I mean, one of the the verse, I guess, verses is, "On my way to work, I bought a magazine inside a pretty girl who liked to water ski." Like, read the next line. Oh, after that, 
She came from Chestershire to study history. She had removed her clothes for the likes of me. This is a nursery rhyme. Yeah. Essentially. It's a nursery rhyme. I mean, with some adult theme work thrown yeah. in there and, and weird But things. it has that but kind of nursery rhyme nursery feel? Nursery rhyme it. feel. Go with it. <laughs> sure, why not? Commit. You know? And so it's like, <laughs> it's one of those things where listening to the lyrics, they're, they're kind of simplistic, but there's a little bit of cheekiness to it. Well, that's why I propose it. It could be a little bit ironic that you're using the guise of on your way to work, about as mundane as it gets in a person's life, with, you know, the subject matter at hand. could be ironic. And I, Proposing. Su- and I suppose that even Sir Paul McCartney's not beyond irony at this point. Well. But, you know, I just... Perhaps you get more ironic with age. Who knows? <laughs> God, I hope not. I mean, then hipsters will be really unbearable in the next 40 years. That's true. And, and that's my point. Irony, this meta-irony that's going on in this song is just not enough for me. I need something innovative. I need something more than just... Um, it, this is not Robbie Williams. I, I mean... Who's really, like, pushing the, the boundary on I mean, that sort of irony I think we're going a little... Idea. We're all going a little far with this... Um, I, I guess, really, the, the extent of this is just the comparison of, you know, on my way to work using on my way to work as the guys nah. because it is such a mundane thing. I, I, I don't agree with John to the, to the same degree, but I mean, it's, it's an okay song. It's a good song. Good. <laughs> Finger quotes. I mean, it's Paul McCartney. It's not bad. Yeah, it, true. But, you true. know. But I, it, it leaves me wanting more. That's fair. And that's, I think, a fair analysis of the song. Um, Maybe that's his whole, whole plan right there. To leave you, you, John, wanting more. Speaking of more, Queenie I. So this song, my biggest gripe with this song is, well, the whole song, mostly. Um, <laughs> it's very, like, yeah. the other one was safe and predictable, but it was still entertaining to a point and had that meta irony. This song was what happens when you don't even have that. It was, it was very meh. I mean... Mm, not meh. Meh would imply leaving me with no emotion. This one was full of attitude in the piano and bass, and I will attest to that 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 came off very well, but became repetitive after a while. What what really drew back to me was I did not feel like the elements were really reaching a very good cohesion in this song. Well, yeah, and proof of that is completely in the middle breakdown where it. There's this slow part that's gorgeous and completely disconnected from the song and had no oh, place I'll, get, I'll get to that in a minute. And it builds very well. But the, my biggest issue about this whole meshing is that I don't know where the choruses fit in here. I really dislike the choruses. This I actually can point and say I, di- I did not like what he was doing with the doubling of his voice comp- combined with that music. It just left me feeling wrong. <laughs> that's an odd way to feel. It it was just it was almost distasteful. Like it was it was I didn't. That's like, almost I really like, didn't like I listened it. to this Paul McCartney album and all I got was this damn T-shirt. <laughs> I mean, it left me feeling wrong. That's such a strange way to put it. Here's the thing. I think this track was very characteristic of Paul McCartney. Actually, I think it's 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 not safe for pop music. I think it's safe for him. That's it. This yeah. is this is his usual work. This is what he's excelled at for the past forty years. I've heard elements of. The Beatles in this. I heard elements of his of his solo work. Um, so that's kind of what separates it from the previous one. The previous track, On My Way to Work, was a little bit more cliche in the music regard. This is just cliche for him. Which is, eh, I don't know, that might even be a little bit of a step up there. But I do want to mention that that section you discussed, the John. Weird, the weirdly deep. The weird section, which almost felt like he was dipping his toes into shoegaze territory 
chill wave, what have you. It, it was very, very... I mean, I think, again, he reduces his voice a lot. The whole volume goes really, really soft. I kind of liked it. I really, really liked it. I did. It had no place in the in the, in but the song. But it was so oh, of course distracted. Not. Of course Completely. not. Of course not. It, Still it loved built, it. Though. It was built. Still loved it. Well, you gotta say it. The other thing was it was really building to something cool too, and it was ruined by the chorus. Yeah, I mean that's my biggest problem with it. Like, yes, I agree, Steve. Obviously, that part was gorgeous. It was. But we're, what? But we're why? Just, there was a no song reason. that goes to that part. Yeah, yeah, like I want. The reason it's anger filled is because I want that song, the song that had no place being in the middle of this one. That's the song I really wanted. Yeah. Well, he. Could. And I mean, the lyrics weren't much better for this song. I don't know. Like, I mean, just looking at them before, I just. They're not. Reading the chorus doesn't make right. any sense. No, no, no. Yeah, you're you're right about you're right about the chorus with the chorus. Queenie I, Queenie I. Who's got the ball? I haven't got it. It isn't in my pocket. O U T spells out. That's out. Without a shadow of a doubt, she could put it in about. Hear the people shout. Hear the people shout. It is very nonsensical. Yeah. But this, 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 without this being evocative. This is why I say it's cliche for him because he could get away with these lyrics. It's it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It's nonsensical. He could get away with it in another context. The problem is the context. Well, yeah. I think that's a big problem with it too. It's just overall, it's just not a well, it's not a great made track. It's just not. I, I still think it's got a good meter to it. I agree. He's got that bouncy <laughs> nature of speak, speech. I like the way he sings the chorus. I don't like what he's saying. It just Actually, is bizarre to me. And there's one really, really interesting part about this, which I did enjoy and I thought was very innovative, even though it's not actually innovative. The verses themselves had a reverse rhyming scheme. They would go A, B, B, A in the verse work, in the rhyming, and I really did like that. That actually was starting to get interesting. It was just not enough of it to, to really let me latch onto and keep going with it. Well, I'm not sure I see what you talk about. I, I could follow well, it was. That. I it, still think it's A, B, A, B mostly. No, no, it went game, rhyme, time same like that's how he would actually do his rhyming scheme interesting i mean it's 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 definitely a little more unique in that style yeah but that's not something that's not something that reached out to me i could see it in paper it's not something that reaches out to me in in the actual listen no yeah definitely not um i mean the best thing about queenie eye is probably when it ended and we got to track five (laughs) all right okay let's move along yeah so track five early days um is when we really get a side of Paul McCartney that we haven't seen yet on this record. Early Days is a beautiful and sincere song where you get Paul McCartney in the raw. Um, his singing voice here, and one of my favorite parts about the song, is very strained. Like, you can feel the wear, you can hear the wear and tear and tire on his voice. You can hear 60 but, years. But he doesn't do what a lot of artists 70. do. He doesn't clean it up. He lets himself go a little out of tune. He lets himself get higher pitch than you're used to him singing to convey a very raw and beautiful emotion in this song that goes very well with this this theme and idea of early days well this was a pretty heartwarming song for me because until now it's felt like paul is staying sort of young staying relevant this is a genuine old man singing right now and i appreciate that quite a bit so the first thing i want to say about this song just as you started his voice i know a lot of people say that he's lost it and frankly, they're probably right. But do I care? No, because to quote the old maxim, it's what you'd do with it. 
So up until now in this record, he's been hugging the effects box, hiding behind reverb, thickening it all out so that he can still fake it. But it's true, this is raw. There's no hiding here. It's it's nearly an acoustic track. I think it is an acoustic track. It, it, it's, it is. It's, it's beautiful hearing the reflections of an old fart, frankly. Well, yeah, and I mean, that comes through in the chorus. I mean, that's the most heart... I think one of the most heartfelt parts of the song. The chorus goes, but they can't take it from me if they tried. I've lived through those early days so many times i had I to change the, the pain, pain to, to laughter, laughter just, just to, to keep, keep from getting, getting crazy, crazy. Oh, we're all joining in this i sweet. love that line so many times i had to change the pain to laughter it's just to keep from getting crazy and so that, emotive that really that that's just really out there very much laying himself on the table putting his out, heart out there i love that earnest nature to it it's coupled with just free form telling a story. No verses, rhyme scheme, tempo, or anything like that. He's just telling you, singing you a story. I love that aspect, too. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I didn't even need the lyrics necessarily in this track just to be moved by it. Because, again, it's, it's in his voice. It's all in his voice. Oh, Every little inflection that he de delivers, you can hear that strain. You can hear that wear and tear. He lets it out in this track, which is really, really... Again, after the previous stuff, it, it's it's clear that that he has been hiding it a little bit. But he does have a rock persona, so of course maybe he's he's his own instinct is to telling him to hide it because he's he wants to do the rock tracks. He really does. He's right. always been, I mean, a rock guy. So for him to really really pare it down, it it might be a little bit restraining, but it works in this context really really well. Absolutely, these, those vocals are coupled with. Uh, the way the vocals change and actually seem to become more strange as the song goes along, I love the way he starts introducing more than just the guitar, Where the way he, he builds the song. Because yeah. the song itself is one solid bill of complexity. And it's it's it just leaves you on such a great introspective but still hopeful kind of a note towards the end that I just love the way it, it, it's as a solid piece just works and there's the thing even his like his falsetto he still pulls that off amazingly well i mean that goes hand in hand uh even though he i think he does double himself at some point in the song but again it's it's both both individual tracks come through really really clear well typically with the penultimate of emotional tracks also it's both how emotional the instrumentation is and how emotional the lyrics are yeah. and while i understand that you can definitely get the emotionality from the the, the music and how he's singing what he's seeing just seals the deal that's how me. he sings is what seals the deal for me. How? Uh, granted, it's not the Paul we're used to, but I think it's an excellent direction for him for the future. It's just embracing his age because, it, I mean, it's what? kind of the only direction for him. We all get old. And well, and like I said earlier, it's the most sincere track on the record probably. There might be one or two others, but this is the most sincere. This is, hi, I'm Paul McCartney. I'm getting older. <laughs> But I'm still going to sing. Who cannot relate to reflection? Yeah, you know, It absolutely. doesn't matter even how old you are in that regard. But it, it, it feels more emotional coming from an older man. I should say, and state this, I didn't. I forgot to state it earlier. This is a 2013 record. It did come out in 2013. And I kind of really wish I had heard it then. Because this song would have definitely been a contender for emotional track. I mean, it just, it really makes you think and feel. And that's the point. That's what he's singing about. Well, it's all within our year. So just keep, it, keep a little bookmark on it. There you go. We, we're followed up with something that 
I just felt was stale. New. The next, the title track. Unironically or ironically, but the, here's the, the thing. title track of the record, New. Keeping in mind everything we just said about the previous track, I feel like he went in sort of the opposite direction here. Because this is the antithesis in many ways. Well, first of all, just, just yeah, the, the title itself. New, new, fresh, you know. Everything we got from early days is very reflective, very old, very tried and true. This is a little bit more of a modern sound. At the same time, it's also an amalgamation of a couple of Beatles songs. It's got that distinct Ringo rhythm. And it was just so happy and upbeat Bouncy. and uplifting. Very Penny Lane style. Very yet, innocent. Yet had the Perhaps lyrical, too much so for my lyrical design of, of Rocky Raccoon. Kind of that almost storytelling, simplistic, back and forth beat kind of a work to it. Well, I don't want to sit here and compare everything to the Beatles, obviously. I mean, but this he, one, this he, one he has certainly succeeded in, in making a career away from it. But yeah, the, the, certain things stick. He's got a style, and his style, you know, most people can always, can always uh, hear that from the early stuff with the Beatles. But I, I think it had something to do with going from the very learned, reflective quality of early days to the very bright-eyed and optimistic. I guess I kind of I kind of understand that angle, but it begs a little bit of imagination. So, almost the same ironic touch <laughs> yeah, that to you kind of have to force a little bit, but, you know, do you take it or not? Yeah, it's tough with this one. I mean, I didn't dislike it. I just... I, early days put me in such a place... That new didn't carry at all, but I know it wasn't meant to. He very much wanted to take you somewhere else, and you know it. As far as the album arc works, it it I'm you know it's not terrible, but I just I don't know I. It left you underwhelmed. Yes, I was just whelmed. Well, oh, oh, oh yes, nice, <laughs> nice. I try. Okay. Um, and then, it's funny though because considering new and new things track six track seven is truly something new for what i think any of us expected on this record i mean it was definitely unlike something we'd expect to get from paul mccartney um the track seven is called appreciate my biggest issue with appreciate right off the bat is it's r&b and i don't have a problem with r&b but it's r&b PC style. It's Paul McCartney style. Or PM, I should have said, actually. Paul McCartney style. Um, it's it's just, it's like he listened to the greatest cliche hits of R&B and hip-hop and then gave it a shot. And I don't I'm know. not going to be so harsh on this track. I think it actually, well, I, if you're just looking at it through the R&B lens, I can easily see how you'd, how you'd think that. But I, that was only my first impression when I first heard it. It was like, oh yeah, it's a little bit R&B. It's got a little bit of an attitude to it. But as the song went on, it really wasn't going down that route, and you shouldn't hold it to that standard. I think it functioned pretty well as as a track-long soundbite. It it had the attitude in it, and I think it pulled that off fairly well. Well, I did say it was reminiscent of Prince, and if you're talking attitude, <laughs> he's got he's got quite a bit Ton. himself. Yeah, but that's something I, I, I did not uh, uh, enjoy. The repetition of the word appreciation in the background was appreciate. just kind of... You got to oh, appreciate. appreciate. You got to appreciate. But it was just like, eh, why? Why are you adding this in here? It it it, eh. it, it, it feels a little forced, that, that trying to get the haunting feel. If I have a critique for this track, it's going to be from the musical standpoint. I think that, that he, 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 wanted, he exuded that sort of haunting vibe. Because there is somewhat of a haunting nature to this track, 
And I think it was because he was sort of rocking, teetering back and forth on that, uh, just the chromatic, just up a half step, down a half step, up a half step, down a half step. For Most of the chord work was just in that vein. And alone, that doesn't always give the same attitude, you know, as, as, as it could have if he went further with it. At the same time, I want to defend it because it is a soundbite. It is. It, it functions as a soundbite. I I I get the sense that it doesn't really need to go anywhere else. Well, I will that say, alone, it, it's all you need. I, I I don't think it functions as a soundbite because I really saw a disparity between the verse work and the choruses musically. I really did not like that that metalish, industrialish distortion work he was putting in everything. That in the in the not in everything in the chorus work that just kind of like drew that out of the song itself well i could probably agree with that because it is very moody um a very moody track and that kind of takes away from the mood it, it became harsh as opposed to yeah. did like a guitar a guitar outro though i thought it was fairly well that's what i wanted to talk about i and felt it was like awkward the, and awkward in a good sense yeah i felt that the outro was one of the strongest parts of the song i just really liked that kind of awkward guitar outro you know it just it, seemed... it was definitely unconventional for a solo and that's why I think I liked that, it because it was, that, it was something that, different. That fit the attitude yeah, in its way. Absolutely. It sort of had this this uh, scattered mindset about it. Mm-hmm. I think the whole track had that. Throughout. I can I can understand your discrepancies, John, but I, I think as a whole, I'm I'm going to be fairly defensive of this one. I didn't I didn't dislike it. With, with it may have come off that way in the beginning. I thought that there was a lot of cliche to it, but I will agree with Steve. Towards the end of the track, I mean, it did hook me. In in the end, I did still enjoy it. And I think that he did do something unique with it by the end. Yeah, and regardless of, you know, the repetition of Appreciate and all that other stuff, I, I, I do have to say that on this album, this is one of the most original so far. Yes. To the point, to this point, yes, I would agree. Yeah. Um, moving on from Appreciate to track eight, Everybody Out There. Now, this is a song that I think we can all almost unanimously agree. Um had a strong intro but also was one of those intros that didn't really go anywhere even though it came back later in the song <laughs> so many it of those was, we're like hypersensitive to those now right no it was almost a jig that just really baselined very quickly i mean i can agree that we're a little hypersensitive to it but also the point is don't give us one thing and then don't promise us one thing and then deliver another well, that's, all, that's 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 what it comes one down of those to things where once you've listened to as many albums we've had and more you start to create expectations, and when you get your hopes up, and then it doesn't meet those expectations, like any other media, you're a little disappointed. Yeah. In the spe- I'm, just, I'm just razzing you. I agree 100. <laughs> percent Of course, I agree 100. percent And this one, case. this one got our hopes up in 15 seconds and dashed it out. Because combined with that, really, that solitary bass drum, it made for a fairly powerful exposition. But yeah, it really didn't didn't go anywhere. I mean, it does return a couple times, which did. Even when it returns, it leaves me equally optimistic, but uh, the verse-chorus content in between, it really, really breached the cliché barrier for me. Well, also, the lyrics are just so repetitive in a good chunk of this song. Well, actually, very repetitive. I mean, there's one original verse, and then I think the pre-chorus is repeated twice, and the chorus is... The chorus is, hey, everybody out there, oh, 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 hey, everybody out there, hey, everybody out there, oh, 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 everybody out there. Like, it's, it's... it's cliche pop repetitive. It's not even... Lyrically, anyway. Yeah, and it was going for the anthem style. Uh, the the ri- the rising, rousing kind of a song. Well, yeah. And, okay, Paul, you don't have to do that. And it was like on cue, like by the final chorus, it was literally all instruments drop out, heavy bass and drum, sing the chorus out, cheer it out loud. And it's like, 
fun's done that. Nobody likes it when they do it. Why would we like it when someone we respect does it? Well, I've even got simpler reasons. I mean, why, why it breached the cliche barrier, as I said. Uh, maybe it's redundant, but four-chord progression. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's like, always, like, one of those things. It's, it, because of the way he sings, which is so, so, um, so sort of even. Yeah. You know, that really makes it just about as predictable of a verse as it gets. Uh, beyond that, all rhythm guitar. All rhythm guitar. Like, 100%. There was nothing going on in the way of comping or additional instruments. It was him singing very evenly, and then the rhythm guitar keeping going, and a very, uh, a bass that leaves, an, uh, a bass drum that leaves nothing to be desired. And then, on top of it all, kind of weak lyrically. So, yeah, I, I got my reasons behind this. It's not just cliche for... Cliche For sake. citing cliches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. definitely. And, I mean, it was also very... I mean, the parts that weren't the interesting bits were very safe, like a lot of other moments on the record. Like, it just... It it was... I mean, you pretty much spelled it out pretty clearly. I will I will give the co- the chorus uh, lyrics some credit. There, but for the grace of God, go you and I. We're the brightest objects in the sky. Therefore... But the grace of God go, you and I do some good before you say goodbye. That's kind of a sweet. It it is regard. it is sweet and pretty, but it gets lost in the anthemy bits. You know. That, well, yeah. That's like I didn't even remember that part because of how I mean he repeats. Actually, that stood out to me because you know you, you invoke religion in the middle of all this. It seems almost out of place, but yeah. but it it's by that point I think I was just so washed over by the repetitiveness that I missed that. Which is a shame. Well, it's just sort of a shame because well, it is a shame because there's not. It's not really the most repetitive song on this album, or or by far. It's it it gives the illusion of being yeah. repetitive because of that that thin nature to it. Even yeah. singing, <clears throat> rhythm guitar. But that's, that's what it, it is. It's as simple think, as a guess. I think I might have just mentally checked out by that point, and that's yeah. why. Well, well, there's that. There's illusion. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I will give it some credit though. Uh, there was. It was probably worth it for a very, very astute SOS call at the very, very end that was uh, recited in Morse code, which was kind of nice symbolism for going, hey, everybody out there. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, when you're on a boat that's sinking in the middle of water. Hey, everybody, hey, hey. The only We're context on in which I see there's, SOS there's being, a, being called. You know? There's a boat now? Yeah. Okay. Or are we on a boat? Because in the next song, we have no boat. And in the next song, Hosanna, we... Uh, the Track nine. Early days. Acoustic back. Yeah, this and song... And this was great. Once again, we're getting pure voice. This song w- had a very unique and interesting kind of vibe to it. Um, it wasn't overly complicated. It had a grooving rhythm. It had even this kind of wandering nature, like lone guitarist wandering down the road singing an anthem to Hosanna. I really and loved the phasing in the beginning of this track. Yeah, that, that was actually really was noticed to me. That was my favorite aspect because that was actually subtly perpetuated throughout the entire song. Mm-hmm. It really gave it a, a very a very weird distorted backbeat without actually having a beat which did a great job of, of, of moving the mood along in this song uh, this was very uh, inventive in that aspect well, I love that combination I'm not sure I, would, I would say moves it along which in this case I think is a positive because this is another one I would cite as more of a snapshot uh, not so far as a soundbite but a snapshot it's a particular mood and it starts that phasing in the beginning uh, which sort of leads into this very kind of 70s rock guitar, but it's all very, very mellow. It has this, this idea that sort of time is just passing. Um, it starts with the lines, Time is flying by us every day. I want to show my love in every way. This is a, this is a but, love note right here. 
to someone he's been with for a while. This is this is this is just him trying to really put love out there again, and he's done it countless times for sure. But in this case, he's he's doing it again. He really is reinventing it. Well, I also want it, to... It's, it's how he takes time and sort of jumbles it together as one big mesh, not so much as, as a series of ups and downs. It's almost just one thing in this particular track, which is why I think that, that soundbite thing is, is pretty interesting. Because most, most people, when they're going for the, these far-reaching tracks, they, they incorporate a lot of sections for all the ups and the downs, the peaks and valleys of life. But in this particular case, it's all just sort of jumbled. You hear that there's a distinction between the verse and the chorus which really isn't much of a distinction at all. It's almost just a slight modulation. You could you could almost ignore the fact and just say that it's a chorusless song. And I kind of like that fact. Yeah. There is one Everything's just subtle. Very there, subtle. There is one interlude in the song that actually you do take a step back and it was it was amazing the way he was redesigning those instruments during that interlude. I just loved the way he started phasing things in and out and brought it back all together to perpetuate the song again. Yeah. But I, I th- in, in, in a general sense, I'd say that this is almost minimalist for Paul McCartney. I would agree with that. Absolutely. I mean, especially comparatively to the rest of the songs, both before and after this, especially. It also shows development for him because he's r- literally reducing the verses that he already knows he does so well. And he's reducing that sort of to their core components and making them encapsulate the song. It's really cool. It is. It, it was definitely one of the better tracks on the record for sure and gave me positive upturn for the tail end of the record. Yeah. And he follows up this sweet, loving song with... I Can Bet, number 10, and my favorite track on the record. Be- Which, okay, this one, first word that comes to mind, cocky. It's, this is, I mean, there have been some emotional songs on this track, but this one just strongly, it drips machismo and cocky. And it the, really does. The reason for this is in the choruses where he talks the about... The delivery. It's, it's, I'm going to hold you, I'm going to love you, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to bring you close. And then he ends every chorus with, what I'm going to do next, I'll leave entirely up to your imagination. Yeah, and I just love the 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 the, the wordsmithing in that line. Let's I love about, the way he does that. Let's talk about the musical background for starters, because I think that in 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 uh, combined is also following suit with the same exact theme of, of of cockiness in two different ways simultaneously. That's really really cool. In the beginning, you've got sort of this '70s rock vibe where he. Brings in the funk. Brings in the Wurlitzer and everything. I, I wouldn't say funk, but yeah, the Wurlitzer was used pretty much all over the '70s, regardless of the style. But it just it screams '70s whenever you hear hear a Wurlitzer. I'm pretty damn sure this is a Wurlitzer, and it accompanies the verses. And then he completely shifts gears by the chorus, and he goes to like southern rock. So in both instances, he's he's straddling uh, a genres that are defined by their by their attitude and to some extent machismo. The sexy machismo. The sexy Not just machismo. A, it's it's sexy machismo. Yes, machismo. Which is and, and the Why way they say it like that. You didn't have to say it like that, <laughs> but I had to. But oh, these apparently. two very different sounds mesh incredibly well together. They really do have a, a, a an A and B combination going on here, and A and B are two very different letters in this case, but they do work together. They're well, speaking the same language. He still pulls off both styles really, really, really well yeah. in sort of a prototypical kind of way because they're both genres that he, in a sense, influenced. He he started. He birthed them. 
I mean, so to say that he you know does it really really well, it's not like he's revisiting it. it, it he, it's him. It's him essentially. Well, what I like, and and I may not have the right words to describe it. So unlike John, I won't fumble for five minutes. I'll just ask Steve. When he's singing the pre-chorus, is it meter in the way he sings? How he sings the words, like that kind of back and forth way he sings it. Do you remember that uh, that those lyrics by chance? Oh, not off the top of my head. I mean, I can check the lyrics. I have them pulled up. But I don't remember exactly how he sings it. I think it was the, the, the pre-chorus, right before I Can Bet, where he goes, come and feel it, we can give it a go. But if you'd rather not go, I won't revel it. Because what I'm going to do do, you ne- do next, I'll leave entirely to your imagination. It's the line that John quoted That's the before. chorus work. Yeah. That's the chorus work, because... Uh, That's the chorus work. And, and that, that, the way he sings that, I don't know whether it's called meter or whatever, but the, the I, tempo that, well, of yeah, it's tempo. It's That's tempo. it. That's it. It's tempo, but it's also just it's it's style. You know, you style. can go into like swing time, you can go, you can kind of do whatever you want within a certain meter. So that's um, it's it, that, not that's, what that's he his, says. It's, it's just how he's saying it's it. It's his turn of phrase. Turn of phrase. But what I really love, like his turn of phrase on this track, is what really hooked me of him beyond everything. Like I just really enjoyed the way he sang on this track. Like I can bet, I can bet, I can bet you won't know what happens next. I I just it's. There's no other way besides cocky, and it's so awesome. Yeah, that that we're especially coming from Sir Paul McCartney, I think is what if anybody should be. It's true. He's he's on the short list. Considering everything we've said and everything we may say, he is on the short list of people who are well entitled to be cocky. It's almost Mm. conceded in that regard, but I'll give it to him on this. I'll give it to him. Um. Had a great transition too, and I think that's the part that you were uh, commenting on, John. The way they blend together. Yeah. Uh, with, especially with the synth, out the of the southern, everything. especially out of that southern idea into the more uh, '70s feel. I think that is what really brought it together for me. Yeah, and on top of that, great outro. Yes, so, yeah, very good outro. Totally. Not even gonna slight reasons why it's just great. Yeah, it's just great. It's great. You should, should go listen. listen to it's great. it. Listen it's great. Listen to it. It's great. You should go listen. Great. It'll it's be great. there. It's right there. It's there. It's there. Press, there. The, press the Spotify button. It's right above you. Right, yep. Right above there. Click it to the upper right. Do it. If you picture us talking from that little box, then it's to the upper right. And now... Yes, we speak from the box. <laughs> we do for, speak from the box. And now to finish up this this finale of the album, because the album is 15 tracks long, and I'm just going to put that out there, but only 12 tracks are on the regular edition. You can't find any other edition but the deluxe, though. That's the big thing. After That's why we're doing the deluxe this time. We're yeah. breaking that rule. So track nine, track ten, and then we go into track eleven. Look at her, Looking which is, at her. which is another kind of inventive thing he's working on here. Well, it, it is I'm going to say that he revisited. Revisit, well, remember, inventive is is a strange thing because even even I can bet I still say you know seventies rock, southern rock. He's still he's still going back to previous things, whether he did it or whether other people did whatever. But in this case, he's just picking another thing: eighties pop. In my opinion, this 80s pop is written all over this track, looking at her, which he also kind of excelled at back in the day, when he was making his career as a uh, as a solo artist in the 80s. Was that after Wings, or was he still in Wings at the he time? He was still in Wings, was still in wings at wings the time. Still in Wings. To the, through the, at least the early 80s. Yeah, well, even even the stuff he did in Wings still kind of had that 80s pop uh, written yeah. over it. Whenever the, that, that style of synth work was, was very... Of the time period, yeah. you know, it was it was a period piece. All the this, this to me is almost a period piece. Yeah, but but, but I time, think there's an element to that synth work in this uh, in this track that goes to that next step, that next level. And the whole thing is that there's 
a, a weird combination of verse work in here. It, it starts with, if you ask her how it's done, she won't know. It's like trying to catch the sun on water. She tries to explain, then it happens again. This part, there's, there's a trifecta going on here. Part A is talking about this woman. Part B is talking about how everybody looks at her. And part C is from his perspective. And it soft, starts soft and mellow and sweet. And gets more sweeping as everybody comes in. And then really gets discorded. But me, I'm losing my mind. It's a great combination. And the music really, really flows with the symbolism associated with the, with the lyrics. It does. It's it's really meta in that way, and I love it for it. Well, I love the, the 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 losing his mind over this woman, the the way he's describing how lovely she is and how ineffable she is, and how everyone knows it. But he he just can't move on. He can't do anything else. I wanted to say though that the the backdrop that the '80s feel sort of did feel a little bit dated, but maybe that's just because of that. Um, Everybody feels, you know, oh, 80s, huh, can't be in retrospect kind of thing. Right. Um, but, and he sort of is is sometimes the last stronghold, because I've, hear, I've heard this uh, peppered throughout even some of his recent works as well. Um, so, yeah, if he still likes it, whatever. <laughs> Who but, are we to question him? Exactly. But, now, I see what you're saying, John, and frankly, I can't really decide whether, um, whether those interludes at the end uh, really echo his lyrics or not whether they're simply there but they are welcomed I do enjoy them they're great interludes <laughs> I really can't I don't know it's kind of I, back and forth with me but I see that maybe it's meta for that exact reason I really I mean just personally this is my favorite one I do love the the. I really do enjoy the music even though there's there's nothing I can really point to specifically that's just really good no chordal structure or anything like that i think that interlude was was there when he says but me i'm losing my mind but it's expanded upon as he delves into this loss of of mental cognates cognate mind stuff cognates cognates thank you um i just said that <laughs> that one <laughs> that one uh which i'm repeating yeah. But I love it. I really do love the way he, he, he did something that he really didn't do on the rest of the album, which was transform the song along the way while really marrying it to the lyrics instead of the other way around. He, 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 for a lot of the other songs, he's singing along with the music. This, he's making the music along what, with what he's saying. And I, and I really enjoy it for that. I, I want to say that that's the kind of thing that you could potentially open to debate. But for the sake of argument here, I'll sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll take pull a sure. that. I'll take a sure. I'll pull that because, frankly, I think you could go either way with some of these tracks. Um, sometimes he does just pick a good backdrop and then writes a song around it. I don't think it's always a bad thing. No. But you know, I, I leave the possibility here. That but it if it works bad? for you, John, awesome. <laughs> it's still a great song. I, I, yeah, I agree. But it's, I, nothing, it's nothing compared to what's coming next. No, Maybe that's why I'm a little track bit 12, hesitant here. Track 12, Road, is is unlike anything else on the record. It's very easy to say that. It's, well, it's provocative, it's evocative, and my favorite word <laughs> is it's sketchy. No, skeezy. Skeezy. Oh, skeezy. Skeezy, skeezy was the word that oh, you I came up with my... that you didn't remember. Got your no, own I, can't, word wrong. I can't even write my own. Um, yeah, I wrote creepy, but also silly, which sounds contradicting, but 
but in description of the song, actually not as much, and very undoubtedly over the top, which is why I think I like this track so much. Is it just it feels larger than life? It was it had it's it's great bass work, great piano work. Probably I'd say if we say the best bass work on the record easily. It's the combination of the two, coupled with the fact that they're at points working in unison and at points fighting. And from all the songs we've reviewed, I like that. I like it when they can get along and yet compete. And it probably has the, not probably it has the best mixing on the album as well. Oh yeah, it's uh, the overall tone here that uh, that. I, I'm gonna say it's probably one of the most the the only truly original piece here. Yeah. Because everything else kind of borrows from something here and there, whether he's borrowed from himself or other things, whatever. It's still all an aspect of of kind of heard it before. And then here, I, I really can't. I can't. I can't cite anything. And I I, I always enjoy tracks where I come across. I'm just like can't quite pin that down. All I can cite is 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 tones, emotions, vague things like. That skeezy factor, the, the being kind of leery, such as the whole searching in the night kind of aspect. I'm going to put Steve on the spot a little bit. The, in the chorus, those deep notes that I kept mimicking that we were talking about that were yeah. clearly piano. Do you have any idea what notes those were? What keys those were? Not do deep, that straight yeah, from yeah. memory, but I yeah. recall and that, that I think that was... Deep notes. It was it... <laughs> Deep note. It was it was a <laughs> climactic point of the track because it sort of took a turn and brought you right back to the skeezy side. Yeah. And yet was still actually kind of simple. That was the whole thing. It was simple, but it created such great tension in that chorus. Yeah, oh, it had the goofiness of, of like, benefit of Mr. Kite. They yeah. I'll mention one thing. I'll compare one thing. But, which, um, which I you know, happen to love that song for its goofiness. Me too. Which and in, in case, I, I would liken it to that, that yeah. bass work in that song. You know, boom, 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 boom. Boom, you know that, and yeah. that's where that evocative nature really can make you feel. But where it becomes provocative is because it's it's still kind of grimy and gritty and all around skeezy. Well, that's why I reference Mister Kite because Mister Kite is kind of a demented circus. You know, it's not a circus that you necessarily you might not come out of it the same. They might kidnap you. You don't know. That's I, the that's, at least that's what the music does to me. Yeah. At least regardless of how innocent the lyrics are, and and that's kind of what I get out of this 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 road here. This road, sort of, sort of a back road, a lost highway, if you will, or maybe I will, I will, I'll take that lost highway, possibly put in my pocket, garbage filled, a- filled alleyways between squalor and unhappiness. Glad we're getting a lot of imagery out of this. It's really, really it was good. a good song to get imagery. It was from. very good, and I liked how it... we're not our most descriptive today. <laughs> I'll take it. It's, it's, I mean, for me, just nine, ten, eleven, twelve. We've got four, four solid tracks in a row I was kind of you know it took a while for me to realize that I think this this definitely does have a um an, there's an uphill slope at the end of this album yeah I, I was kind of a little bit disappointed in the earlier half considering well I'm disappointed but I was also it was meeting my expectations yeah I understand that he's perhaps not in the climax of his, of his freshest material that he ever devised and I, I you know I, I wasn't expecting groundbreaking work but it does have a groundbreaking section here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's a shame, though, that it came at the technically end of the record. I mean, we're and we're going to discuss the other three tracks, three-ish tracks that come next, but it's just, I, I as as we talk about it more, I, I'm more inclined to agree with John. I think I would have been content for the album to end here, especially yeah, since it there was so Yeah, it would have been a very strong character. ending. 
But but we move, odd note. But we move forward into because turned if you, out. If you get this on iTunes or Amazon or any way like that, you're gonna get these songs. So turned out. It's not always a bad thing. I had not much to say about this. I'm with John and I'm in John's boat with this. I only it one theory, catchy. and this is kind of this is kind of off the wall. But I, <clears throat> as soon as I saw that 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 title turned out, it almost made it reminded me of the whole. Timothy Leary thing back in uh, the late '60s with the I believe it was tune out, you know, tune in, turn on, drop out, or reverse so, uh, those in any which way. And I it, it was agree. sort of a a proponent for the whole 1960s uh, drug movement and and anti-establishmentism and all that stuff. And it speaks to the actual work of this of the lyrics in this. In which one, case which is... he's in which case he's doing a play on it because he's saying turned out as opposed to turned on. It's sort of jumbling it together. And it has a second meaning where he's like saying, well, everything kind of turned out all right for all the stuff I did back then. Uh, that's worked into the theme work. But to... I don't think that's that's the whole, that's the entirety of this. But no, I think no, no, that, might be, a, that might be a sub-message. It's message an addition. It's an it. addition. Yeah. Um, but musically, there's not much to say besides it was just catchy. I mean, the lyrics really do support Steve's theory, though. I mean, the whole first verse... Three verses. First three verses very much sound like talking about the hippie movement, but then it, I, I think it's well, a combination decide of for yourself. I took a trip into the ocean. High emotion filled me with desire. I had to see what I was fighting that kept inviting me to take it higher. It, like there's a lot in here. Yeah. That it seems like it's a, a little multiple sub-message. multiple meetings yeah. for sure. And then again, you take the second verse. Um, well, looking back, it didn't hurt me. It did something for my soul. It taught me that when you find a love, don't break it, try to make it whole. So you, you know, you're getting love here, which, again, I think that's really the forerunning message. But, of course, you know, there was a lot of love going on at the time there also. And when he was writing a lot of these, this music, at the time, a lot of it was about love. Yeah. Lo- some cases, you might even take it back to, like, first loves. It's, it's, again, it's reflective. And there is a reflecting theme in this album. Yeah. I mean, the first half of the song clearly seems to be vaguer than the second half but i think it all kind of still connects to that time and i think he's kind of definitely doing a play on that it very much seems that way lyrically it's a play that i would i and i wouldn't stand by 100% just simply based on the um uh the chorus itself which is just it turned out to be which implies that turned out to be is is really the the, the delivery of those of those lines, right? And that context doesn't quite make sense. But I I, I still think it's a it's a little hidden message. I, Just a theory. Just a theory. I mean, music is what you get out of it more so than what they intended to write. I thought I'd put it out there, and just, I didn't even, you know, I just thought that based on the title itself, and then I read the lyrics, and I'm like, huh, okay, it's yeah, very there's, well could be. There's that. Yeah. Ooh. Moving forward to track 14 slash 15. So this is one track. It's split into two. We've seen this before. The first track, Mm -hmm. first half track, I guess, is called uh, Get Me Out of Here. I want to say, as soon as this started out with the whole folk and the way he was singing again, I was like, ooh, another old man song. I'm really excited about this because I apparently am excited about hearing old men sing at this point. But that's just the premise of this album. The whole, this whole song was really the good old boys hanging out and him saying things have gone too far. Stylistically, this was like in a Robert Johnson mode. I was ready to hear like a slide guitar or bottleneck, that kind of thing. I have to admit, though, when I heard the lyric... 
I hear the tax man knocking at my door. Get like, me out of here. Yeah, you start I, to like, snicker yeah, a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on now. I mean, he referencing tax man specifically, like, I like that, you know. Well, he does... He's not above his own work or the work of his peers. He starts with this acoustic, and then throughout each verse starts adding in new elements. I love the build-up. Uh, adds in bongos, some deep, deep drum work. Some uh, Towards the end, some electric bass work, and a little dash of guitar. I just love the progression of the music in this song. He, 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 Once again, it does that. Well, I find it's it's funny how it's sort of full circle. I mean, unlike all those other styles that he that that he's been presenting in this album itself, which to some extent he sort of gave to Americans, uh, along with three this, other guys. This is kind Britain. of one that he may well have borrowed, Th- like based on his earliest work, he may well have borrowed folk. Folk is, oh, is, yeah. is, is easily, 19, you know, that's late this... 19th century, early 20th century America. That's Americana in its purity. And that was, that, that deeply influenced early Beatles. I mean, yeah, and but also this kind of vibe, um, this kind of, this kind of vibe of folkiness, though I think speaks more to what John never shuts up about, like with Crosby, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and that kind of almost country-ish old boy kind of feel. The good old has, boys. The good old boys that he keeps referencing to, but... I still think Paul McCartney said, like, consciously said while making the song, yeah, I'm going to do that, but I'm still going to do it a little bit my way. Hence the bongos. And the other stuff. Yeah, but it's not as, it's not so drastically different, though. Like, I, no, I of still want to just lump it in that uh, that early oh, kind of folk. And I absolutely also, agree, but also, I just and, like and that it has the effect that little on the radio. It feels like it's on a 1930s radio. And it's it's got that more lighthearted comical aspect to it as well. Yeah. I mean... It's not a very deep track, but you can always... You agree with it. There, There's a lot of lines, especially talking about that tax man. I agree with what? the things he says in this one. I agree. If you I, can't agree, I, I agree. understand exactly, and I would help him get out of there. I mean, it's even raw-er. Raw-er. Well, than, his, vocal, his whole vocal days. track is almost distorted, you know, in the, in the quality of how it sounds. That's what I'm saying, the 1930s radio effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and... If after this song ends, we have a hidden track. This is an actual hidden track, not part A, part B. So the whole track on the record is six minutes. The first three minutes or so are this song. And then the second half is a song called Scared, which is actually available. The lyrics, even though it's a hidden track, are available on AZ Lyrics, for example. So they you can find these lyrics for this track, which is how we found the name. And this, I... It, it's so heartfelt and so loving and really is that, that moment where you're like, I wish I could say I love you, but I'm just too fearful of it. But it, it, to me, it just goes too far and becomes the epitome of every earnest love slash apology song ever. From the introduction yeah. of the literal heartbeat to, to just the kind of tropey nature of the lyrics. Yes, it's beautiful and sweet. But it is just trying so gooiness to be beautiful and sweet. Well, I appreciate you taking the mature route here, John, and and not simply buying into the sweetness that yeah. is, you know, so candy-like. I mean, it, it clearly is the type of song, you, especially ending the album this way, one thinks, perhaps he thinks, perhaps expects, you know, that that's really the clincher of it all. Everyone would think that's the clincher, especially considering it's it's um you have to wait for it a little bit. And it's you don't get it a separate yeah you don't get a separate track. This is really part of get me out of here. Just wait a a few seconds or so, and then you will get scared. (laughs) Well, 
you'll get the track name scared. But I'm, I am going to go out on a limb and say that uh, that it succeeds in one sense, and that's because the track as a whole, musically, is just so gut-wrenchingly sad. Yeah. Like, there's not a happy chord in this song, and I, I, I really felt kind of kind of depressed after it. In that sense, it kind of did succeed. I understand the tropes that you're that you're that you're citing. Really, really do. But I still think it was the sadness of it all. And it even ends on that E minor. It's like the, the whole album you're you're left with with E minor after like a, a, a downfall at the very very end. I'm talking like the last five seconds, the last ten seconds of this track. You get that downward chord progression and just falls from minor chord to minor chord. And that. That's probably where it just gets to be a little over the top for me. I will I will say it's it's it is freaking gorgeous in its mm. in its in its downturn. But in this case it's just so over overwhelmingly sad that I kind of feel disconnected. I really didn't identify with it. It was trying to be almost an impersonal kind of a version of it too. That's that that might be the best way to put it. It, it seemed to have so much of every earnest apology in it that I just really didn't feel it was personal anymore. I lean more towards Steve. I think I really did get that depressing emotional nature from it. But there was nothing in yeah, it. Yeah, you were oddly silent about the song when we were listening before. I wanted to know your opinion on it. So, I mean, I like it. My biggest Come problem. On, you're with... a set for all this stuff. Come on. <laughs> My biggest problem with this song is I felt Road was stronger, a stronger song. So for it to end on this note just kind of left me feeling empty. Well, let's say you didn't know that. Let's say you knew nothing about the split deluxe. Okay, I still feel, I still feel Road feels like a better conclusion, regardless of where it should have ended, deluxe or any anything. We've, we've talked about how other albums f- sound like they should have ended at a previous point, right. and I really feel like Road was a stronger ending. Scared wasn't bad, and I don't take it to the extremes John took it to, but I, I just feel that it left me wanting, and I mean. That could have been on purpose too, because he's talking. It's dealing in a very unknown. I'm scared, emptiness, and a very loss of opportunity kind of a way. To and begin so, with. if it left me feeling that way, then it hit the nail on the head. It made the mark, whatever the analogy you want to use. But this is definitely headed in the direction of I listened to new, and all I got was this damn t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, of... it's just it. It does kind of feel that way. I mean, I don't. I don't think I dislike it as strongly as John does. But honestly, I just it's not. I don't know, it's not, it's definitely not the strongest track on the record by any means, but but I definitely get the emotionality of it, and I do agree that it's definitely worth hearing, I just kind of wish it wasn't the end track. Well, I might as well read the, the remaining lyrics of it. Okay. At least just the last stanza. Yeah, go for it. I'm still too scared to tell you, afraid to let you see, that the simplest of words won't come out of my mouth, though I'm dying to set them free. Trying to let you see how much it means to me, how much you mean to me, how much you mean to me now. I still think it's sweet. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Granted, it's not. It's not. But and I, I, you know what? I'm gonna take your point, John, that it's the amalgamation of of many sad, sweet songs. In it's the best in of the it. way that only Paul can do it. Yes. And I'm not. I'm not saying. I feel like we've said nothing right now, but you know what? <laughs> no, it's. it's I disagree. See how this pans in the wrap up. I don't know. I, I I disagree. Well, since you mentioned it, why don't you get us started? Unless you don't want to, I could do it. No, oh, I'll begin for once. For once, you usually do. 
That's not true. Usually the person whose pick it is goes last. I don't know. I made a completely contrary point. You plugged it, didn't you? Uh, Actually, I just made a completely contrary point for the sake of it. I had a job. I don't think anybody cares in which order we go today. No, probably not. So, Steve, start us off. All right. I love Paul McCartney. I really do. I really, I like, he's one of the strongest influences of of my musical life. Of everybody's musical life. Probably, because even if they don't know it, even if they don't know it, he really has influenced them. He's influenced people who have influenced them, or, or by... You know, this is the six degrees of separation deal, which uh, he, again, birthed. Sort of like the second stage of music, as it were, I, sa- I would say, began with, with the Beatles. And to just go on a little tangent here and discuss his role in the Beatles, it always was these kind of tracks. It was the suite. It was the tunes. So it's like that anecdote I told you before, how often people... people do look at him, oh, well, those are the, the tunes, right? The tunes that, that John Lennon probably would not walk down because John Lennon perhaps would see him as, as too sappy. This is just a little distinction between these two personalities because people see John Lennon as the paradigm shift. But I don't go to Paul McCartney for a paradigm shift. I go to Paul McCartney for the sweet tune, which he's still an excellent songwriter. So looking at some of these tracks here... I think most of them are written well, but some of them are written just okay. I still think he has a pretty good rhyme scheme, and he has a pretty good turn of, fr- turn of phrase. He does fall into old habits. Uh, depends on what you're looking for from this album. Are you looking for a Paul McCartney album? In which case, you mostly get it with some surprises. Um, at the same time, are you looking for Paul McCartney dips his toes into new genre? Or revisits new genre because he's visited so many different things over the course of the last 40 years you you sometimes people just see him as this uh this changing figure this shapeshifter he can be whatever he wants to be because he's so attuned with with whatever is popular some people see that poorly others see that as a real talent um i'm gonna i'm gonna lean toward the talent side because it's like i said in my intro i think he normally pulls it off without being cliche that said this album here, I do think he's fallen short on a few songs. He does fall into the cliche uh, territory as early as perhaps the second track. Definitely would not agree with John on the first track here. The The first track is, is, in my opinion, quintessential McCartney without being cliche. Very enjoyable. Let's you know you're going to enjoy the record. Alligator... It's, it's really, it goes back and forth. Lots of innovative ideas. You have to also remember that he's probably not working on this alone. It's not just Paul McCartney's solo. He has, I'm sure he has people in there that are, that are influencing certain work here and there. So if you want to blame an interlude on something, might be able to blame it on them. And then you just have sort of a little mesh for a while, and it doesn't really pick up until the end of the album. Um, with exceptions such as Early Days. I mean, that's, that's the big thing. Early Days is really what I want. I think, uh, rather than watch Paul McCartney just sort of drift through various pop mediums for the remainder of his life, I really do want to hear the old man reflecting. I think that's where he will pack the greatest relevant impact on modern music, is by being exactly who he is, which is always what he's been, and always where he's excelled at. So, taking all that into account, this album broaches it. Doesn't go there 
he dips his toes in that and then he recedes completely and wants to you know be 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 fresh new modern all that so for that reason i'm gonna put it leave it as almost a perfectly average album with some with some pluses 3.25 yeah musical pluses to a average album it's so weird because I want to use the word average as well. And it really, it still isn't. And it's still, for me, it was a little bit higher than average because towards the end of the album, even though I'm, I'm not saying the best of things for those uh, deluxe hidden tracks, they're still pretty cool. I still really enjoyed them. There's only a couple of parts here and there one or two songs that really just kind of fell flat but the rest of it is really 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 enjoyable um it's definitely back heavy definitely back heavy from from eight onward uh no not from eight from nine onward definitely does go higher ground uh with alligator and early days being the, the, the heavier saving graces of the earlier album. But without those songs, it really becomes a duality of, of low end and high end for me. Low end still being threes. It's still really, really good all around, though. On the way here, I, I remember saying to, to, to Matt, I don't know if I like it or don't or not. I, I still can't decide. And it's still an album. I, I don't know if I like it as a whole or not. We gotta let go of the interjection. We gotta let go of of the guilt of because we all we all three of us here have deep respect for Paul McCartney, the figure. So this rating doesn't is no impact on him as it. He's already left his mark. This yeah. is just the album. You can always yeah. change. You can always deliver a five star. A five star. Can he keep doing it? Yeah. Does he? I don't. I don't know. Th- he's doing an there's... amazing job considering he's nearly lost his voice. With some of this stuff, with like. Road, look at her, and I can bet. Uh, if he focused on stuff like that, maybe. If he focused on an early days album, like you said, maybe he can do another, you know, quintuple platinum album. Some people might argue that that was Chaos and Creation in the Backyard, which was. It had some folky tracks on it, somewhat reflecting. Were he they... still would do that thing where, like, he makes up a. a, 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 a a girl or a figure of a name and then talks about it jenny you know or you know going back to the old days penny lane you know this random person hears a song about them the yeah, sort he of did a song profiles on album called jenny wren i think or something jenny wren that well yeah profiles of non-figures yeah which i think could be a career in, in itself that could be well, album after album let's 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 look at what i want from paul mccartney and that i want Send all my uh, all my loving. I want eight days a week. That's what he does. He does the pinnacle songs to make you feel in love. And he did some really good love songs here. Whether it's that attitude love in I Can Bet, that sweet, sweet love in Hazana, but or, or that love of life in early days. He does a really good job on that. Yeah. Or, the, that, or the sorrow and reflectivity. Yeah. For that, I'm going to have to rate it higher than you, Steve. I'm going to put it at a, a solid 3.5. It's it's it ain't a four, but it's definitely a a, a good step or two above. Well, I I could shift back and forth based on that. That's what you get for being last. You're gonna determine whether I 
cop out and change my rating. Well, who knows? With you, anything's possible. Anything is possible. Anything. Within the podcast itself. So, I mean, the big reason I chose this is because, I mean, there's no shortage of love for the Beatles on this podcast, but it's also because for me as a fan of music, I mean, Paul McCartney's kind of shaped and formed a lot of what I love with the Beatles and after the Beatles. Um, the, the reason that I'm kind of genre schizophrenic sometimes is because of an artist like Paul McCartney. You know, who always has kind of dipped his toes in a little bit of everything and has partnered with the right artist at the right time. I would say that it's not even he dips his toes. He, he created pools. That's true. Some of them he actually created. Um, the, this, this record, though, I mean, I can't help but ignore the fact that it does have a lot of average qualities to it. That said also, though, the big points, the high marks, are so high and so great. Um... But I want to make a, go on a tiny tangent to make something very clear. Just because we rate something 3 or 3.5 or in that 3 range and say it's average doesn't mean that it's bad. That's not always ubiquitous and the same. The fact that Paul McCartney put out a 3.5 record, that 3.5 record is still probably better than a lot of other artists in the same vein of music. Mm. You know... There are three, five records spanning our history of reviews, let alone the pantheon of music. And the reality is, if you pick up a Paul McCartney record, it's still going to be good. Just about every time, it'll at least be good. But what we really want, because it's Paul McCartney and we have an expectation, is great. We don't always get it. But there are te- definitely a lot of songs, I agree with Steve, that really hit the mark. But for sure for me, I mean, I've said before, I Can Bet is a song that I didn't see coming I loved from start to finish. And on a second listen, appreciations for songs like Scared and Look at Her and Road that I didn't get all of on the first listen, but I really, really sunk in on a second listen. The tail end of this track is, the album is very strong. Um, you know, that said, though, you can't ignore the sameness or ridiculosity. Yeah, I went there. With songs like Queenie Eye. Queenie Eye is a song that I just don't like. There's the section in the middle, the chunk that wasn't Queenie Eye that was pulled from somewhere else who knows where that was gorgeous, that on its own might have been something. But Queenie Eye is a song that really drags me down. On My Way to Work, also, not bad, but it's just it, it very predictable and safe, you know? These songs can't be ignored. New, being kind of anything but... You know, he sings about new things, and he's trying something a little different, but all in all, that song isn't that new. Um, You know, or even Everybody Out There, which goes into modern tropes that Paul McCartney didn't need to do, because he can do better. Um, Can I say that I can do better than Paul McCartney? Of course, God, no. (laughs) Is that ever really the rating here? No. I can write a better song. We probably can't. We we we've, we've mentioned that before with other artists, but 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 what I really want to talk about is well, maybe that, I could yeah, well, yeah. continue. <laughs> yeah, but you're too lazy, so it would take you another five years. True, all true. Um, but what I'm trying to get about get at is a very roundabout ways. I love the record. I do. I I do love it a lot. But love isn't enough to say it's good. So I'm I, my ratings where John is. It's a three five for me. It's solid. It's not average, but it's not a four either. It doesn't take that next step. If we'd gotten more songs like. If we'd gotten half an album of Early Days, or even half an album of Hosanna, or I Can Bet, you know, where he's doing different things, then that would lean it more towards a 4-0, when the artist clearly is moving towards that next step. It doesn't feel like he's moving that way with this album. There's potential, and he gives us the hint, 
but nothing on this album tells us that the next album could be more of early days or more of I could bet this could be the only time we hear stuff like this and that's why it has to be a 3-5 for me because it's not average but it's not that next step it's right in between you know he hints at the next step and right. maybe we'll see what the next record however many years from now two or three and it's, but it's hard to say he's ever going to take an F step because this guy's done everything yeah what would another step him him with Dead Mouse, you know making a dubstep rock album that would be freaking Awesome. Disagree. I'm not but even that's going in that direction. Yeah. No, um, but 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 overall, no, I I think you made a very good point, Matt. I think uh, well, if anything, you probably persuaded me to keep it at three two five, just because you got to look at the content here. I really really love early days, and I love the road, but they are they are just they're dots. They don't they don't hold the album together. They're 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 singles that you know as the metaphor you always take i will take them away and put them on my ipod individually the album as as a whole there's just it's too sporadic too sporadic you do i i'm rating on the album at the end it's got positive moments but that's you know that's future albums hopefully ideally hopefully and so on on the overall though i mean it, it definitely listen to it you know burn it listen to it buy it if you're a Paul McCartney fan, I just go buy it because you'll like it enough. <laughs> and grow your collection. Be a completist. But, and but, one, one word we didn't really use this album, which is pop. If you like pop, get this album. You could do just a lot it. worse than this record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this is but like... the overall recona- recommendation for the pantheon of music, as we like to say, is, is listen to it. Definitely don't miss out on it because there are gems here worth hearing for sure. So, and you don't want to miss those. All right, that's the thing. Well, nearly everything uh, Paul McCartney has ever done has been pop. It's yeah. almost all been pop. And well, because that, the Beatles were for a good anything, chunk of time pop. Well, you know, back and then so. it, everything they did was pop because it was the most popular out there. And talking about back then, we, we made a lot of allusions to old school music and how this was good then, and, and not just in this podcast, but in so many other episodes. And what makes old music better? And it's really, in my opinion... And this is our topic for the day. What makes old good? I'm gonna revise this in a minute, but continue. <laughs> what's what? What makes old old good is is the rose-colored glasses of nostalgia. See, the thing about nostalgia, though, and I mean, we can talk to this a bit with Paul McCartney, is that, or even a better example than Sir Paul McCartney, is why John brought Green Day on this podcast in the first place when we took on the daunting task of Trey of Uno Dos. He's harping Uno on Dos Trey, but no, this is a really good example. It's the same reason I picked Eve Six. It just worked out a little better with Eve Six. Um, it, 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 um, is with Green Day, John picked Uno because Green Day he really likes, and you know, a lot of it is nostalgia, and a lot of it is there's some talent there, but it just didn't work out. Regardless of nostalgia and how much you love a band, it's not enough if the content is not there. And the, what we're saying with Paul McCartney is it's not just nostalgia, there is content here that's worthwhile. But still, some of the songs you may only endure or enjoy because of nostalgia. Right, but John's completely right in saying that the, the, the reason for it is rose-colored glasses. Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly how, how you define it. Um, I, I do want to revise the, the statement, why is old music better? Because, or at least just explain it, because that, that in itself doesn't really say anything. And I, I've met a lot of people who, who don't believe that at all. Yeah. It just seems to be the running... I mean, there's a lot of people who... Uh, especially of an old generation, can get up there and say, oh, back in my day, music was. But, you know, (laughs) nostalgia can have a very powerful effect such that you're not able to accept the new things coming out. I mean, we can even experience that within a period of, within, you know, our shorter lives. 
I can sometimes be stuck in like the mid 2000s, which is like it's silly. It's not even all that long ago, but then you start to realize how fast music can really change. It's like, wow, theoretically, I could be out out of touch in in certain departments. I try to stay t- in tune in some departments, but then if I if certain genres have just have just fallen flat on me at some point in the past, I might not be following them in the same way I would have then, and then revisiting today could be really, really shocking. And then I'd be like, eh, I'm comfortable with where I was. I have a back catalog, I'll stick with it. And the perfect example to, you know, nostalgia is New Year's Eve this year, getting trashed with a bunch of people in a house party, and you know what comes on? Always a great anecdote. you, You know, no, no, listen, this is, we're getting drunk. So we're all getting happy and laughing and all that sort of stuff. What do you think came on? We're a child of the 80s and 90s, and we put on 80s to 90s alternative rock. That's what we were listening to, and that's what we were yelling and belting. And I don't do that with new music. Mm. But I was almost yelling myself hoarse singing, you know, the best of Blink and Weezer and Bare Naked Ladies and Modest Mouse and everything like that. Like... It, it's ridiculous that just a dash of alcohol and throwing on these songs from my childhood, all of a sudden I was trying to be Pavarotti. Well, it's especially enhanced when you take in the group dynamic also, because the group dynamic really needs time to to have things sink in everyone's mind simultaneously and sort of leave the same imprint. Because, as we always say, as you always say, Matt, everyone listens to music differently, at least in the outset. But what's really, really fascinating about that is that over the course of time people do tend to listen to music the same, or they leave the same mark. The longer time passes, the longer you spend with those people who've listened to the same things. The the same, like, the way we talk about the Beatles songs, and we don't even skip a beat. We notice the same things, because we've listened to them our whole lives, and we get the same, we've, we've taken away the same things from them. Right, but also when I've said that quote that you love to remind me of, yes. um, I'm more it's referring irrelevant. to the present than the later. I mean, every... I, I, when I came up with that, or alluded to it, because I don't know that I came up with it, but when I alluded to that, it was more in the sense that everyone listens to music differently in the moment when you're hearing it. It's very easy for people to have the same concept of the same music at a later date. And a great And a great example of that is what John likes to point out. Well, that's exactly that my point. Is that I'm a child of the 90s, yeah. Is that... You know, the, that alt-rock from then, the Eve 6, Matchbox 20, Third Eye Blind, like a song like Semi-Charmed Life, Everybody knows. Everybody knows and everybody sings along because it's one of those songs of the popular time that kind of defined that indifferent 90s feel. Well, I propose that it doesn't even have to be uh, the big song of the time, for instance, uh, especially going back to John was saying, you know, people get together, they sing together. Whatever whatever friends, for instance, have grown, um, with, uh, right. grown up with, they, it leaves the same imprint in both of them so that they react to them the same exact way. Uh, same, for instance, I was at a New Year's party and everybody puts on Death Cab for Cutie. I mean, that, that, that didn't always reach me in quite the same way that it reached this particular crowd, but that particular crowd, they just bonded head over heels over Death Cab for Cutie because of the emotional value that it reached with them simultaneously. And they used to listen to it back in college, uh, the suite that I, I was in with them. They, for, for several years on end, that was the running theme. And I challenged anybody out there to take a boombox and throw on Bohemian Rhapsody and walk down the street and just count how many people start singing along with a song like that. Well, it's funny. Well, Bohem- that's, yeah, that's, that is the, the defining song. That, that, I was just going to say, that Matt the, it is that. The, the, the defining nostalgia sing-along song is 
Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. And it's for many reasons. I mean, it's not just because Freddie Mercury is one of the greatest singers to ever live. But beyond that, I've done a little experiment over my years. And um, within the last two decades, anytime I've had a car filled with five people, including the driver, I put that song on. Everyone in the car sings. Every time. There's never a person who doesn't know the lyrics. But the reason I'm bringing that one up is that because they're the older songs, and I'm not saying Bohemian Rhapsody is not a good song. It, it really is the definition of epic. It doesn't matter how good music is. Because when I, I'm talking about Blink and Green Day and their early career, they're terrible musicians. They really have not a lot going for them. They were just kind of innovative in how they were presenting themselves. But the reason why, when I when I look at it and I, I realize it's not good music, I just love it. It's mostly because, well, it's more of my formative years. And a lot of people look at it that way. That's where that nostalgia really kicks in. Absolutely. And that's where the oldies are the goodies. Well, I want to take this conversation in a little bit of a different direction. Because that's, that's when you're purely using the answer rose-colored glasses is is the reason. That's the reason why everyone says the phrase, oh, old music is better. But there's a whole other side of the coin. There's definitely people who, who take a different approach and say that, well, classical music, you know, they look back at classical music and they see the complexity that existed then and the whole long-term compositional complexity, for instance, that would last over a period of time and give you the full the full Monty. That, that they don't get from a pop song. And that's, that's one reason they would, for instance, say that... Um, uh, older music is better, and they don't enter in with rose-colored glasses, because for them, it's simply a matter of A and B. Well, a was better to their ears. Earlier music is also going to be the ones that create the innovations that become a standard part of future generations of music. If we start talking about, because we're going to keep going back to them, because they're the Beatles, the rock opera, and Sgt. Peppers. Everyone who's done a rock opera since then to some extent, cannot measure up because they weren't the first. In no way will they be able to be as good. No, because it's... That is an argument just, just because they're the first, no one can be better. Because they were the first ones really introducing the orchestra to rock and roll. No one can do it better. I'm not saying that you can't do it better, but, but in it, some it, people's frame of reference, no, you can't. It's a precedent. Exactly. Whoever sets the precedent. That's I do true. Really buy that. And and I would buy that too. I mean, it would, going back to Bohemian Rhapsody, I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why Bohemian Rhapsody is still one of the most epic feeling songs to ever been written because it just goes through so many stages and is so powerful. And, you know, there are it's, bands who come close, but I mean, that back and forth that Freddie Mercury and the band does, I mean, there's just nothing like that. Well, th- and th- it's sing alongable yeah. and it's fast paced and it's not too long but still extremely long for an old school song like that and it's the first one that was definably epic well, that's the thing people re- i think fundamentally all across the board in music people fundamentally respect innovators innovators period i think that's of one of the main things leading a lo- whether someone you know falls in love with a new album or not is whether it- it's it's not whether it furthers something that exists or, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, this is this is just an all-around great punk album. But, like, you know, punk, I feel like almost, like, that really packed the punch when punk was new, for instance. Now you're just, you're going to get another development, another stage. So, for instance, you take this to the classical uh, era. One of the reasons I'm fascinated with um, the composer Stravinsky 
is because he came up with these these scores. The, the, I say scores. Uh, actually, that was a bit of a faux pas of me saying scores because they weren't scores then. How can you have a score when there is no movie? And yet I see almost everything he's ever written as if there should have been a movie written to it. And I, I, even I can't say that out of earlier composers like Chopin, Beethoven, Bach. I think of them as a whole separate style of music. I don't need images to it. I think of them as separate. I enjoy them on a separate level. But Stravinsky, I see things. Everything to it feels very, very animated, very cinematic. And he did not have that frame of reference. Therefore, in that field, I consider him one of the most important innovators that influenced people like John Williams, who we in turn consider an innovator for actually putting it to film. And another individual that you could say uh, turned the world sideways in, in the same sort of way you're speaking to would be Elvis Presley, who was one of the first ones and the most prolific who took music and sexualized it. And that was something that was extremely new. Well, that's true. You know, I, I, would, I would argue that it had always been there, but at the same time, it's true that it had always been sort of subtle. It had been yeah. subtle throughout all of he the pop that you get. He made it a forefront. Get. He made it the prime. Well, there's a, a lot, lot of there's, times there's, there's a lot of innuendo going back to even 1920s Well, pop. yeah, but also but. something that Elvis specifically did, Elvis didn't do. It was everyone around him that made it happen. Is the famous broadcast where Elvis is performing on Ed Sullivan and they won't show him from the waist down made it more powerfully sexually orando related than anything else they could have done because it word proved... Get, word gets around. They're not showing the waist down. They're not showing... Ooh, what is he hiding? Well, it's <laughs> also... Taking something away, hiding something, is something more sometimes more provocative than seeing the whole package. That's it. The illusion of what might be there, what might be happening, is sometimes more powerful than anything could actually be seen. That's what sent uh, 1950s girls in their miniskirts awry. Pretty yeah. much. But taking it back to kind of find a point to what we're saying, because we're kind of just gushing at this point. We have points? <laughs> is getting back to the idea that is older music better? The answer is no. Both. It's both. It's no. He was going to say yes. Well, I was going to say, say no because I was going to oh, say. Oh, come on. They already knew we were going to reach that right. conclusion. Who are you really killing? Yeah. The, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's a yes. Shut up. I'm talking. This just in. Old music is better. <laughs> the, the, the reality is that. Of course, you can't say that old music is better. You can also say that it's not. I mean, it's it's music is in a constant state of change, and it's really what you get from it. That's the whole point. But what you can say about older music is that, like historians have said, if you don't learn from your past, you're doomed to repeat it. That's not always good. And it's the fact that if you want to know what to do and what not to do, you look to your elders. You look towards the older music. I mean, I guarantee... I would almost say that you could flip that uh, that expression right on its head in this regard. Yeah. That, that well, I'm I'm set with these precedents right here. I, all, all of this is behind me. What can I do to possibly top it? It makes the modern job... It, especially in a, in a society where we compound culture on top of itself and and really uh, attempt at, at all costs to preserve it. If something is lost, we get really saddened by it. Yeah. That's not something that has always been around because simply the means wasn't always around. Right. Recording audio, recording... I mean, even before audio, we were only recording things on sheet music since about the 900s. Before that, who knows how many thousands of years of music have been lost you know, of great empires. That's just... Now that we have this obsession, because we have the means, 
then we just we want to compound, 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 improve, 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 which is why we see our society as, as growing exponentially. Right. Well, and it's also one of those things that in the vein of looking to your elders, there, you, you have it's undeniable that there are certain bands that exist now that would not have what they have without the bands that came before them. Right. I mean, there's not a doubt in my mind, and we've talked this to death, speaking to epicness and queen muse would not have been able to cultivate what they have if a band like queen didn't exist they are definitely influenced by them undoubtedly you know and it's just those things that those things are what fascinate me the most the bands that could you even imagine their existence without those that came before them because they are so undeniably influenced by people their obsess past. over that even we obsess over that over yeah. the course we have these little thought experiments well would they have would they have made the same thing had it not been for so and so yeah and, i mean at some point it almost gets a little ridiculous because you have to just accept the linear lineality of time and just <laughs> accept that you're there's always going to be influences unless you lock yourself in a box and i do often find that as a as a um amateur composer that that when i remove myself from music for a while i do find myself being a little bit more creative than i had if i had just um uh, put myself in a position where i'm just drunk on influence right then while it's still hard to say if older music is better or worse than newer music to some extent, it can be said, and I will attest to this even though you guys are going to say no, older music at this juncture, age is more important. Older music, to some extent, is more important than anything new that comes out right now. I disagree. And we've reviewed some of those albums last year. I want to see but what he's going with this. how many of those could have existed in a box, as we're talking about? How many of them would have... How would this... How would Steam Powered Giraffe exist? Oh, I see what you're saying. Without the heritage of folk. Uh, this is kind of extension of my point earlier. Yeah, like in many cases, you can consider many mod of modern quote unquote innovators as products, products of inevitable pro- inevitable products of their past. Yeah, I guess, but that could be sad of any medium, not just music. Well, th- they always do this, especially, in fact, a lot of it is, is on file as to who innovated who, even in classical fields. I mean, whenever you, you sit in a, in a music class and, and learn about such and such composer, you have to preface it by saying, well, who were they influenced by? So you can't even say that about you know, someone like Beethoven, because Beethoven is definitely a product of Mozart. Mozart is definitely a product of Bach. Um... Bach is certainly a product of many people before, although I would probably argue that Bach is, is a father of, of quite a bit of music because his stuff almost is so drastically divorced from, uh, from Renaissance-era stuff. But uh, there are definitely people that get in their own heads more than they do soak up outside um, knowledge. And that's just a tricky thing to rate, though, because who can really say unless you were following someone's life step by step. And are you really going to bother and at the end say, well, uh, he was more innovative because he didn't listen to enough stuff and he was more isolated, ergo introverted, we should respect him more. No, yeah. It's such and a bizarre thought experiment. At that, at, that, at that point, and this is, I think, a great way to close this topic, at that point, if we get to that ridiculousness, it becomes, who's better, Superman or Goku? No, no, I think, like, we, I think it, we all know where this is going. Who invented the first note? Right. Yeah, yeah, come on. Let's go oh, back. Homer. Homer? Really? Not Simpson, the other guy. The other Homer. Uh, I was going to go back so much farther than that. Like, caveman era. Like, Cro-Magnons. Well, the point I'm trying to make... Well, then it would actually be the animals they were intimidating who would have learned it from previous uh, 
generation. Yeah, I was just one of this stuff. Like, what if somebody accidentally just stumbled across a, like a rock in in a rhythmic fashion, and it amused one caveman, and and he tried to reproduce that. <laughs> Hence, music. <laughs> Right. Well, since we have no documentation of it, I guess we'll never know until later when we find that documentation. But until then... And future article. Future article, yeah. And, and that thing we said. The first note. Actually, you should look into that. What was the first documented note? I think that'd be a fascinating article oh, to write for the site. Lots of, uh, there are many schools of thought on the subject. You can uh, <laughs> investigate. Well, make it concise for everybody. Make it concise? Yeah. Make it concise? Like, the first recorded piece of music is, I believe, from... Uh, the Bamal, uh, Babylon, ancient Babylon, mm-hmm. and it, it's written in such an abstract way, which has nothing remotely to do with modern, uh, with the modern system of writing music. But at the same time, somehow, somehow, don't ask me how, but uh, archivists and and linguists were able to figure out supposedly what it says, even though I don't know how they do this because they have no frame of reference right. in order to figure it out. But they. Hey, there's recordings. You can go on YouTube and just search oldest song ever, which obviously people have have done and searched because yeah, sure. it's very it comes up pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm and sure. you'll probably find it because there's like a couple dudes who specialize in this stuff and they have their own loot. They have their own ancient lyre. Actually, excuse me, not loot, lyre. That's one of the most ancient instruments. But how do you know if they're telling of. the truth? <laughs> that's that's the rub. That is the rub. Yes. Um, anyway, music's old. Yeah, that's that. If you take anything away from today, it's that music is old. Been around a while before the fall of Babylon. Um. So big news for next week. Um. Getting into what I was talking about earlier in the podcast, how I'm really going to push to at least have one guest a month for you guys, if not two, but definitely one, at least one a month. This month's guest. Um. He's a musician I saw at Shea for the Dark Lords concert for his album release last year. His name is Hops. H O P S. His music is available on hopsmusic.com. Um, he's going to be our first guest of January. But before I get to his album choice, let's jump into the spam. Keep you waiting, right? Yeah. <clears throat> spam. My programmer is trying to persuade me to move to .NET from PHP. I have always disliked the idea because of the expenses. But he's trying nonetheless. I've been using WordPress on numerous websites for about a year and I'm anxious about switching to another platform. I have heard excellent things about blogengine.net. Is there a way I can import all my WordPress content into it? Any kind of help would be really appreciated. Accurate. But you already know that I'm accurate. Yes, uh, yes, we do. So this is spam trying us to change what website we run our website through. By saying they're changing. Exactly. It's influential spam. I do think he was also learning because he started out really, really... His uh, grammar did get better by the end. It got better, yeah. It did, except for the... Except for the... B-b-b-b-b-b-b. Kind. Kind. Was that just multiple eyes? Yes. Okay. That's what I figured. That's dangerous. They shouldn't learn. Let's not talk Skynet, please. Tell them what they I've can had do. that conversation enough. Tell them what they can do, they'll it. anger them more. Although related us. to Skynet, or maybe related to Skynet, so Hops' choice, because the guests picked the album, um, His the album he's bringing us is an album called Vapor City, and the band is Machine Drum. One word. Um, Hops' music both is... Both of those names. Yeah. It's an awesome name for wait, an wait, album wait. and a band. Wait, wait, wait. What is the genre, as described by Hops? Hops said it was glitch... With a mix of chill wave, love that. Love so I'm excited wave. to hear this. Chill wave is an amazing genre. A lot of future in that. So that's the album he's bringing us. We're of course going to talk about his music as well. Um, Hops uh, uh, actually very recently released, which you can name your price on a single song with him featuring Shea for the Dark Lord called Man Biotic. 
or Menbiotic. I may have screwed it up already. But go to his website, hopsmusic.com. You can get his music there. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about his full-length record, which uh, we've listened to, and uh, get into Hops, how he got involved, and uh, you know how he picked the rap name. If he wants to talk about it, Menbiotic sounds really awesome. Sounds like really yeah, really really interesting, really really fresh. But Menbiotic sounds like some kind of drug on paid programming. <laughs> on that note, um, we Take draw to a close probiotic. of our first yeah. episode of the new year. Thanks for joining us as always. Um, so yeah, we have a guest next week, and then we get into John's pick after that. So, as always, music is life, and, and life, life is, is good. good.